Good morning, Timberline. Glad everybody can join us. Beautiful morning to start off. Cody, are we still good? My screen is flashing you. I assume we're still good. Sorry for the awkward technology pause. I think we're good to go. We're going to start off with a couple songs together this morning so we can worship together. Um, so we're going to start off with Yes, I Will. And I believe the uh, words will, will pop up for you as we go. So join us as we sing. I count on one thing, the same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. He's working all things out. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And yes, I will Bless your name, oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh yes, I will for all my days. Oh yes, I will. I count on one the same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh yes, I will lift you high. In the lowest valley, and yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will, and I choose to pray. the name of all names. Nothing can stand against and I choose to praise. To glorify, glorify the name of all names. Nothing can stand against. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And yes, I will Bless your name, oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh yes, I will, oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for 
joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Amen. Great way to start off our morning. And now we're going to continue with... Uh, one of my favorite hymns, uh, My Jesus, I Love Thee. My Jesus, I love thee. I know. I'll live. 
morning, Timberline. I've just got a few announcements for us this morning. Uh, first off, I want to remind you that we're doing communion uh, towards the end of the service today. So if you uh, haven't gotten your elements ready, make sure you get those out and, and have that ready here in just a little bit. Um, also, great job on the 555 challenge that uh, Gary has been talking about and, and Pastor Ryan. We hear a lot of great testimonies coming out of that. So uh, it's five minutes, uh, five days, five people, uh, just making connections, reaching out, and encouraging one another in uh, these hard times. I want to remind you about the prayer time on Tuesday nights. It runs from 6 to 6.30. Uh, it's on Zoom, and uh, the link comes out on Realm every Tuesday uh, for a new meeting there. So watch for the link on, on Realm and join us then for that special prayer time. We are going to be having a special Quest Kids community connection time at the end of the service today. Um, just with some technology stuff, that needs to be a separate Zoom meeting. Uh, so uh, the link went out on Realm to the Quest Kids parents group last uh, yesterday. If you didn't get that and you'd like to participate at the end of the service today, uh, send me a text during the service and I'll get the link over to you. We want to thank you for uh, generously giving uh, during this time, both via mail and on Realm. If you need help with either of those things, especially Realm uh, giving, contact uh, Connie Bixman. If, yeah, if you just need any help with that, getting anything set up or have any questions. We're definitely anticipating uh, more needs coming from benevolence. Um, to the general fund and also to the backpack ministry. Um, so I know we've been doing about 50% more in the backpack ministry every week since uh, since schools have been shut down. Um, and it sounds like that could, could go up. There's been other churches that have had to uh, step away from that program for whatever reason and other groups. Um, so there, there could be more needs rising up in that. So thank you very much for your support. Um, yeah, so. In that, if God has blessed you with some extra to give in, uh, towards any of these needs, uh, the body would definitely appreciate it. Uh, lastly, Elder Rick Bixman would like to share with us an update today. Good morning. On behalf of the elders, I'd like to give a brief update. Uh, hopefully, everyone received and had time to read the letters that were sent in the mail this week. It is with both sadness and great anticipation that the elders received Pastor Ryan's resignation. Although we're sad that God's calling Ryan and his family out, we affirm what they have expressed that their desire is to take a break from full-time vocational ministry for the next season and hope to get involved in church planning sometime in the future. They plan to be with us through July unless the Lord opens the door earlier. We plan to have a special celebration time closer to that date as the Lord directs. We invite everyone to take the opportunity to thank them for their time, a time of service here, and to celebrate God's next call in their lives. In the near future, we plan to coordinate meetings with parents of students and our youth leaders to consider what doors God may be opening. Again, we invite you to celebrate what God is doing in our midst. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask any of the elders. 
and we are here to serve you. Uh, let us now continue our time of worship. All right, let's continue on and sing, uh, Lord, I Need You. Lord, I come, and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, now I need you. Sin runs deep, your grace is more, where grace is found, is where you are, and where you are, Lord, I am free, holiness is Christ in me, and where you my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand or fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay and when I cannot stand or fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay. I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one. 
my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Oh God, how I need you. Well, good morning, everybody. Would you join me in prayer wherever you are this morning? Father, I, I think of Psalm 92, Lord, as, as we come to you in prayer this morning, thinking and realizing what Psalm 92, 1 and 2 says, that it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Father, we need to be reminded of your words. Lord, we need to be reminded uh, of your promise. and. And Lord, how good it is for us to come before you with thanksgiving and praise. Lord, for you are so praiseworthy. Lord, we confess, Lord, that there are times that we struggle day in, day out, sometimes by the minute or by the hour in these times. Lord, we confess that we struggle. Lord, that, uh, that we are alone and we struggle, uh, Lord, from time to time with fears and anxiety and, 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 and different issues that rise up, Lord. Um, Lord, it just, we confess, Lord, today, Lord, these things that are upon our heart. Lord, we recognize and we thank you, Lord, that, we can, that, that, that you are to be our confidence, that our confidence ought to be found in you alone, most high, our almighty God, that we don't need to worry about what tomorrow holds, Lord, for you hold tomorrow. Father, we, we want to come before you this morning, and we want to lift up our prayers before you. Lord, we do thank you, uh, Lord, for uh, the faithful service that uh, Ryan has provided over these last many years. And Lord, we want to lift them up before you as a congregation, thanking you for the, the years we've had of service and, and how we have in, seen his growth over the, the many years together and, and their growth as a couple and as a family. And we celebrate that. Lord, we recognize, Lord, that they're going to take a season uh, to, to take a break for a season, uh, get rest and get clarity on where you are sending them to go. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that we can find in the midst of our sadness, Lord, uh, a celebration of sentness, Lord, that you are sending them out as, as a reflection of us. Lord, we don't know where, they don't know where, but Lord, we trust that, that you will guide them. You will direct their steps. So Father, we pray your blessing upon them, and we look forward to celebrating, Lord, how you're going to continue to expand your kingdom wherever you choose to send them. Lord, we pray this morning for our dear friends at Woodlands Creek. Lord, this has been a long journey of sitting still. And so Lord, we pray uh, for our seniors at at, at, at at Woodlands Creek, Lord, that you would give them peace and joy and strength. Lord, we pray for our seniors in high school, Lord, as, as we're coming up on the month of May. An incredible opportunity, Lord, a time that they've many have looked forward to in their lives. And Lord, at this time, May looks radically different for them, as it does for all of us, but especially for them. And we pray, Lord, that you would give them peace and joy and comfort 
in these times. Lord, we also pray the same, Lord, for our, our college graduates. Lord, all across this country, Lord, I pray that you would show yourself, reveal yourself to them at this time. Lord, uh, give them your peace. Lord, we lift up those in our own midst and those in our community around us whose jobs are uncertain or who have lost jobs and are looking for jobs in these, in these dangerous times. Lord, we pray that you would provide. Lord, provide bountifully, we pray. Lord, we recognize it may not be in the ways that we are looking for provision, Lord, but you have the greater plan. So, Lord, provide, direct those that are looking for jobs, we ask. Lord, we would be amiss to not lift up those that are our frontline workers, those doctors, those nurses, the hospital staff. Lord, uh, Lord, those who respond in times of emergency, our police, our firemen, Lord, be with them, protect them, guide them. We pray for wisdom for them in treating, uh, Lord, each who, are, who have the coronavirus and those others who come and who have other medical needs. Thank you, Father, for their faithful service, and we pray your blessing over them. Lord, we also pray for the leaders of our city, the leaders of the state and our country. Lord, give them wisdom, give them discernment, how we ought to proceed in the days and weeks and months to follow. Father, we thank you that your word says, when we call to you, you will answer, because when we call, we call according to your name, and we call in your name, and we look with great anticipation for your promises to be fulfilled each, through each one of us, we pray. Lord, we love you. We look forward to opening up your word and being instructed by your word this morning. We pray that you give us our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear and our hands to respond. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go now to Tara as she leads us this morning in our scripture reading in Psalm chapter 91. That's Psalm 91 verses 1 through 16. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adler, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him, I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
and worship and in the scripture reading this morning. I just wanted to pause before we dive into the message this morning. I just want to affirm uh, what the elders have said uh, today. Uh, I am myself personally, I am both sad uh, and uh, sad for to see Ryan and Brittany go. Uh, it seems just like yesterday uh, when uh, when Ryan, uh, many, many years, it seems like well, it was probably nine years ago now, something like that. Uh, I could sense that God had a call on his life. And uh, I remember sitting down with him in my office, inviting him to have a conversation. And then I simply asked him, do you feel a sense of call to ministry, vocational ministry? And and uh, if you do, consider to pray about that and talk to your wife and pray with her and, and see what God might do. And I remember that that day vividly, sitting right here uh, in this space where I am today. Uh, and, and, and it was just encouraging time and sense a call to vocational ministry, uh, what do we do? And I remember saying, well, let's take it in stride and, uh, and let's see what God's going to do. Let's follow his leading. And it was a wonderful time. We didn't know if it was going to be that God was calling him into some sort of worship ministry pastorate or, or eventually into some uh, into youth ministry and, or, or what. And it was just a fun journey to be able to journey with them. And so I celebrate the times and recognizing that God moved him certainly from worship into into youth ministry, done a wonderful job in our youth ministry and growing in his preaching. And I want to just affirm uh, that. Uh, and I, I think we would all affirm that as well. Now it's exciting uh, to see where God's going to lead them after a season of, of, of a break, as, as Ryan said, uh, taking a break, doing maybe a nine to five job for a season and see where God leads or where God is sending them. So I just, I want to share that with you because uh, as much as I am sad, I am also excited. I'm excited for them and where God's going to lead them. And, and to be really frank, I'm really excited about what God is about to do in and through Timberline as well uh, for this opens some incredible opportunities, some amazing things could be happening in the future here, and I'm excited to see what those are going to be. So I invite you to, to, to agree with me and, and to celebrate. As, you know, as Ryan and Brittany said when they sat down with the elders, they said we kind of feel a little bit like Abram and Sarai, uh, God's just calling them. They don't know where, don't know how, but they're just going to obey. And uh, may it be said of all of us that we would be like Abram and Sarai, that, uh, that God calls us and we will be faithful to follow. If that's to witness to our next door neighbors, to serve the neighbor down the street, wherever and whatever, may it be that we live like that. So now with, with that said, and I do look forward to the celebration uh, time when we can uh, celebrate their, their sending and uh, look forward to seeing when we can do that and how that may look in the, in the weeks and months ahead. So uh, celebrate with us this morning and, uh, and each day for what God is doing. Uh, this morning, we're going to spend some time in Psalm 91. Uh, I will tell you that uh, during this time, uh, this coronavirus, this COVID-19 crisis, I, I've spent an, a bit of time in the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms, you know, the Psalms, if you've spent any time in the Psalms, they provide so much wisdom for the Christian walk. Today, we're going to spend our time in the fourth book of the Psalms in Psalm 91. Now, in large measure, I believe that the Psalms give us wisdom and insight into what a true believer experiences with God as we walk with him in this fallen and broken world. If you want to understand 
what some of the challenges may be that are going to come to a believer in Christ and, and, and learn how we ought to respond in times of danger, in times of a crisis in our lives. I want to just encourage all of us, a great place is to go to the Psalms. You know, incredible wisdom, incredible instruction are found in the Psalms. And there's incredible peace that can be found in the Psalms as well. In the Psalms, we see God's people in various situations and in various responses. We find people in trouble. We find times where, where some of the psalmists are lamenting. They're sad. They're grieving over a particular situation. They're fearful. We also see God's people respond in hope and in faith and in joy and in worship. In the Psalms, we're warned of troubles that may come in this world. And we see reminders of where, as followers of God, our trust and allegiance should be when things like famine or destruction, disease, or enemies come our way. We also get to see throughout the Psalms how God responds in each of these situations. The Psalms should help us understand that what we believe about God is closely tied to how we are to respond to Him in our hearts and in our lives. I believe one of the reasons that God has given us the Psalms is, is so that our trust, our refuge, our fortress, our strength might be found in Him and no other. Psalm 91 is a great example of that very reality. I found incredible comfort in Psalm 91. I've kept going back to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, let me give you... how we are to respond in times of very real danger. In fact, one of the main themes of Psalm 91 is this, that there is security in taking refuge in God. There's security in taking refuge in God no matter what danger comes our way. Do you believe that very thing in your life? Do you believe in God that, that with, with a deep faith and hope and trust that he desires for you to have in times, for example, that we're sitting in today? Do you believe in the kind of faith and hope and trust? It's, it's that kind of hope and faith and trust that we, we read in All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I want you to ask yourself this morning, do you have that kind of trust in God today? 
Another thing I love about Psalm 91 is that the author seems to have this kind of understanding about God in his own circumstances. As we begin, let me break down the passage for us right on the front end so we can all kind of see where the psalmist begins and where he progresses over this amazing chapter. Verses 1 and 2, the psalmist starts with incredible confidence. This is the kind of confidence that God's people have when they take refuge in the Almighty. And I'll come back to each of these to go a little deeper in a moment, but I want to give you the second part where the psalmist goes. In verses 3 through 8, what we see is what I would call deliverance. The deliverance that God provides from all types of threats for those who find refuge in him. Third, we see in verses 9 through 13, we see protection. Now the author tells us of an angelic promise of protection for those who have the Lord God as their dwelling place, as their refuge. Now, now I want you to notice something here in these first three portions before we get to the fourth. If you'll notice in verse 2, you will see my, the, the author says he's my refuge. Then in so the first section, he talks about God as his refuge. In verse 4, he talks again that, that you will find refuge. That's the second section. In the third section, we see it in verse 9, where he says, the Most High, who is my refuge. So the psalmist is helping us to understand that, that, that God is his refuge, and God is to be our refuge in dangerous times as well. And then we come to the fourth section in verses 14 through 16, and we see a promise. For those who, it says, who hold fast to God in love and call upon his name, God makes actually a number of promises. And they all start with these two words, as if God is speaking here, because that's what the author is doing. He's saying, God is saying, I will. I will do this. I will do that. I will do this. I will do that. If you want to under, underline anything of the promises of God in Psalm 91, I invite you in 14 through 16, when we get there, uh, underline every place you see where it says, I will. So you can hopefully tell why I'm so excited to study Psalm 91 together with you this morning. It's an amazing psalm. Amazing in God. The deliverance that God provides his people, the protection that God provides by his angels, and the promise that God commits to us when he says, I will. Now lastly, before we, before we dive into the passage completely, uh, let me do a little more groundwork. The, the author, who is familiar with many dangers, tells of his own confidence. Notice in verse 2, he says, I will say. Then he says, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. And then from the author's own experience of danger and confidence, he moves on to exhort us, the reader, the believer in Christ, 
on how we are to respond in dangerous times. The psalmist wants us to know how we are to respond when danger comes our way. No matter what the enemy is, no matter what the virus is or the pestilence is, how the author wants us to understand how we respond is in confidence in God amidst any danger. Let me pray, and we're going to dive in and unpack our passage this morning. Father, Lord, we're going to hold up and hold out your word today. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, youth, and child, Lord, that are, that are sitting in their living rooms or in their kitchens or in their bedrooms today, and they're hearing this message. I pray, Lord, in the midst of these uncertain times, Lord, you would give us a profound certainty in our confidence in you. Lord, I pray that your words, by the power of your spirit, would come through this morning. Lord, to, to provide a, just a time of encouragement and a time of steadfastness and a growing of love in our lives for you. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts now to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, after meditating on Psalm 91, I believe I can say with confidence that the author wants you and I to know this, that God will deliver those who take refuge in him. In fact, that's the title we have for this morning's message, that God will deliver those who take refuge in him. Now to add to this, I believe God desires to give us as believers in him a measure of security and safety to, to his people about him in our lives. Without a measure of, of safety and security in a relationship with him, I believe we'd be prone in our own human nature to look for safety and security from other things. We might try to find our own safety and security in our jobs. We might be prone to find our safety and security in our, the size of our bank account or in our retirement or in our relationships, maybe with one particular person or particular couple or family. It could, it could be that we try to find our safety and our security in our spouse or in our sibling or in our parents or in our boss. Or it could be in how we, we handle interpersonal relationships. We might be trying to find our own safety and security by withholding forgiveness from someone who, act, who deserves it. Thinking something like this, that, well, you know, I'm actually more safe and I'm more secure if I hold back my forgiveness so that I can keep a, some form of control over the other person. Or maybe it's in the way you don't ask for forgiveness of someone who's wronged you because you feel a false sense of safety and security or, or we could say control over that other person. You may be choosing to, to be safe in your own eyes by refusing to acknowledge the hurt that you have done to the other person. Maybe you've tried to find your safety and security and in various friendships or a particular one. Maybe you've tried to find safety and security in 
how good your kids are in sports so that one day they might make it big and you can have them take care of you for your finances and all your dreams and wishes to come true on this earth. Maybe you're trying to preserve your safety and security and by, by not proclaiming to others that you are actually a Christ follower. You might feel that that's actually a safer, a, a more secure way to go. There's numerous ways that we can really, uh, that we can try really hard to find safety and security in this world. But my friends, I don't believe for a moment that God ever intended for us to find our safety and security in anything in this world. In fact, placing our safety and security in the things of this world is actually a form of idol worship. And unfortunately, it radically cripples. It radically cripples our testimony to the world around us. And it radically cripples our own Christian walk. I believe God intends for us to be safe and secure in Him, not in our circumstances. I would propose that never before in probably most all of our lives for everyone that is, that is tuning in today, uh, it's probably never been more real in our lives than it is today during this pandemic. It seems as though God has, has been just faithfully tearing down all of those places, those imitation places where we may have tried to place our safety and security in. I've wondered, uh, statistically, I've, I, I was reading the other day that a pandemic, in, if you track history, uh, this one author was saying some form of a pandemic has happened around the globe, somewhere in the, on the globe, about on average every hundred years. Seems as though God only allows people to go so far in trying to make things of this world their safety net and their security net before he breaks in and he wants people to turn back to him for their safety and security. It seems like right now God is trying to get not just the attention of his church, but God is trying to get the attention of the people of this planet. I was very encouraged this week when I got a text late at night this Thursday night uh, from from who uh, a, a young lady that uh, I would consider a newer uh, believer in Jesus Christ, and I loved seeing this text come in, and she said these words because uh, God is making it evident to her as well as as God is breaking down the idols in her life. And she said it this way: she said in a text, she said, "It has been a stressful time, but I believe God just wants us to remember what is really important." and who we should and what we should not be worshiping. <laughs> I think this newer believer has got it. God isn't intending for us to, to find worship in anything of this world. God is intending for us to find our safety and security fully in Him. And from that safety and security in Him, we then have confidence 
to live our lives no matter what danger comes our way. That leads us right to verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 91. I invite you to read along with me. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Do you catch the confidence demonstrated by the psalmist there? There's a confidence for those who find shelter and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Notice what the psalmist does in these first two verses. He gives four different designations of God. First, he says in verse 1, he, said, he calls God the Most High. Then he calls God in verse 2, the Almighty. Then in verse 3, he calls God by the, by the old, old Covenant name of Yahweh. Our translation would say, uh, your translation may say Lord. But back in the original Hebrew, you would see it as Yahweh. And fourth, the psalmist in verse 2 says, he's my God. So the, the psalmist opens up declaring his confidence as one who dwells in the shelter, the secret place with the Most High. Now this could possibly be some form of a reference by the psalmist to the temple of God. But since, since believers in God didn't actually live there in the temple, the shelter that the psalmist must be telling us is the shelter that is found in the presence of God alone. It's really a picture of, of the believer who comes in need to God and stays with God in his presence. Then we see in verse 1, we see the promise here. He says, he will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's with this shadow and shelter of the Almighty that comes the confidence that is found in the Lord, as the psalmist proclaims in verse 2, that he is my refuge and my fortress. I like what Alan Ross uh, wrote in his commentary. He said this, Even though shelter, shadow, refuge, and fortress describe places of safety, the psalmist clearly means that it is the Lord who protects and delivers. It's a solid faith in the Lord is a dwelling place in a completely secure place. However, it is better because it means living life under divine protection. Have you ever been, you ever been in, a, in a dangerous situation, a time where you are concerned for your life? As I, as I thought about that in my own life, it reminded me being a little boy growing up in northern Iowa uh, when, a tor when the tornado warning sirens went off in, in our town a couple miles away. And I'll, I remember that day vividly as a little boy, a time of very clear danger. I remember my mom grabbing myself and my siblings, my older siblings, and, and I remember her saying these words. She said, she said well, your dad's gone to work. Uh, so we've got to find shelter. And she, I remember her saying these words. She goes, I heard that it is safe to be in one of those cement culverts underneath a, a road 
that's where you find safety and security. Now, I find it kind of humorous today that, that, that what my mom did was actually take each of us kids in the middle of the sideways wind and the rain coming down and the lightning coming down and this, just the downpour and, and hearing the sirens in the distance saying that there is a tornado somewhere around us and my mom having all of us kids run down our little drive, gravel driveway and to go down this muddy ditch road or ditch and, and crawl into a cement culvert, you see, that's where all the rushing water was to go. And somehow she <laughs> believed and had heard that that is a place of safe, safety and security. And I'll never forget being covered in mud, all of us covered in mud, crawling in as high up as we could in that, in that rain culvert. And I remember thinking, this is not that safe and it is not secure. I need a safer and a more secure place to be as a little boy. I couldn't have been four or five years of age. And I remember how I felt when my mom had all of us kids together. And the only thing she knew to do was to grab us as far as her arms could reach, squeeze us together. And she climbed on top of us in that in that rain culvert. My mom, I know every earthly example kind of breaks down to some level, but at that moment, as a little boy looking for safety and security, a place of refuge, my mom was kind of that earthly example of a refuge, a place of refuge amongst danger, a place of safety and security amongst refuge. Now, I have to admit, I sure wish uh, I sure wish she could she could have been a place of fortress at, at that time, but she got three out of the four for us. And by the way, I don't recommend going into a culvert because <laughs> as the rainwater came down, it also rose in that culvert. I'm glad to be here with you today, my friends. God is to be that place of refuge that place of safety and security, a place of fortress for us. He is that castle that we can run and that fortified castle that we can run to when times of danger happens. Like the psalmist says in verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my God, in whom I trust. Follow along with me as we go to verse 3. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your sight Side 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. My friends, if I were to, to put this all, those verses all into one word, I would give you the word deliverance. There is deliverance that God provides from all types of threats for those who find their refuge under his wings. Notice the type of threats that are outlined here in verses 3 through 8. We see the threat of verse 3, the snare of the follower. 
we see in verses 3 and 6 this thing that the psalmist calls a deadly pestilence. Now, some commentators believe that the psalmist is actually referring to a deadly invisible type of, of virus, a, a seemingly unstoppable virus that would ravage its way from family to family across cities, countries, and around the world. The pestilence that comes in the night is like an unseeable enemy, and an undetectable enemy. In fact, in verse 6, some of your translations may say, now the ESV says, nor the destruction that word destruction in some translations is actually translated, nor the sickness that wastes away at noonday. There's other threats that the psalmist is making clear here that would come to God's people and to others. And it's the terror that comes at night, verse 5, or the arrow that flies by day. You ever been in that kind of scare? I mean, obviously here we are in the middle of a of a pandemic with the coronavirus going on. And no doubt there's some semblance between that and the deadly pestilence going on. I had a lot of time to think uh, over, these, over these last few weeks about times of danger that I have been in in my life. I'm sure each of us, if we could open up all of our microphones and talk about deadly situations, we all have probably been in some form of a deadly or very scary, dangerous situation. I remember a time of being in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, with a team. Uh, the team went to go help do some church planting in the Rio area. A few days into the scheduled trip, we were scheduled to go with a local missionary uh, to go into actually one of the most dangerous favelas, or we would use the word slum. Uh, there's over 600 of them in Rio, and we were to go into one of the most dangerous slums in the entire city of Rio de Janeiro. And what we were going to do was to go help do, uh, there's a ministry there that was ministering uh, to women of the night that worked uh, there in that, in that slum. And what that ministry did was share the good news of Jesus with these women of the night. And what this ministry also did was they would give uh, child care to those mothers. And they would also provide forms of medical help as well. Well, the day before we were to go into that very dangerous slum to go, to go share the good news and to help serve in this ministry, uh, the news broke that the Brazilian police, who were, are not known for being upright, but actually more corrupt in nature in that government, uh, the Brazilian police we're trying to make a stance, and what they did is they came in with their with their high-powered rifles, looking to find the drug lord that ruled that entire slum. And literally, the day before our mission team were to enter was to enter into that slum, the Brazilian police came in, and how they run things is not like what we have probably seen here in the United States in our lives. But they shoot anybody and anything that was in their way until they find their target and take them out. It's the stuff that we oftentimes see on the movies. And so that literally happened the day before our mission team came into that slum. And I'll never forget, we talked to that ministry, and that ministry in that slum were saying, could you please come? 
will you come give us help? We need more help now than we did the day before. And so we went. We went into that slum. And we were warned just before we went into that slum that it was, it was, a, it was in that culture a required 72 hours of mourning. No one was to laugh. No one was to smile for them for that time in that slum. And as we, we came and we entered into that slum and, and our van couldn't even drive us up that, that steep mountain that, that, uh, that we were pulling into. And many of us had to get out and walk up this mountainside. I remember looking down at this, at this rough pavement and the rocks. And I remember vividly seeing the blood that was drying on the rocks and on, on the pavement in that place. And I remember looking at the eyes of these young people as we walked up that very dangerous slum. And we stuck out, certainly, um, uh, to all the people there. My friends, I knew in my heart that we were in an incredibly dangerous place. And I know I remember believing faithfully that God would protect us from harm if he chose to. But I will admit to you today, down deep in my heart, first of all, I was praying, <laughs> probably praying like I had never prayed before, but I was, I was scared and I was afraid. I was afraid for my life and the life of this team. Now, some may say in Psalm 91, they might argue from this passage that God will totally save everyone who ever trusts in the Lord from every danger. Some believe that God will spare them from all kinds of dangers, all kinds of hardships, all kinds of troubles that would come our way that he will rescue all believers from every difficult situation. Some even try to make that argument from verses 9 and 10 as kind of a proof text to make their point because it says, because you've made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high your refuge, no evil will be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. But my friends, I, I'm going to make a point here for us in verses 11 through 13 that, that, uh, that in context here, there's proof that God will still allow dangerous situations to come to those he loves and those who love him. But look at the promise that God makes in verses 11 through 13 for those who know him and love him. God provides for his people an angelic promise of protection. Look at verses 11 through 12. It says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. So this passage, now this might be familiar to many of us because you've heard this and we've heard this somewhere else in Scripture. Let me point you to where else you will find verses 11 and 12 quoted in the, in the scriptures. It's in the New Testament. It's when Jesus was experiencing danger. So therefore, we know that God does not keep his, those he loves away from danger because we will see Jesus in danger in Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And this is what Matthew 4 says. Then the devil took him, him being Jesus, 
to the holy city and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written and catch this. Here's Psalm 91. Satan is quoting the scriptures to Jesus, to God himself. He's saying this, he will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot mm -hmm. against a stone. Friends, you see, God did not prevent dangers to come to Jesus. And we need to realize he won't prevent dangers from coming to you and me either. COVID-19 is certainly an example of that. It's at our doorstep and all around us. But know this, like verse 11 promises us, God will send his angels to guard and protect us. God did that with Jesus. God sent his angels to guard and protect him. Now, God didn't do that to spare Jesus from the agony of the cross. God sent his angels to minister to Jesus in the garden to prepare him for the cross. God did not remove Jesus from the dangers that he would face, but God delivered him in his troubles. And God, my friends, will certainly do that as well with you and I. Now, before we come to the close and, and the wonderful I will promises of God. I want to show you how important in understanding context is. Satan himself could have learned a very good lesson about it right here. As we look again at verses 11 and 12, when, when this is Satan who was quoting scripture to Jesus while he's being tempted, look at verse 13. Satan would have been wise to have understood learning things in context, as we always teach. Learn the scriptures in context. And it says in 13, you will tread on the lion and the otter and the adder, the young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot. Now, let me be clear. I believe uh, what First Peter 5 says, he says, your adversary, our adversary, Jesus's adversary is the devil. And he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy. I believe the lion that Peter may be referencing here is the same lion in our passage today, and that is Satan. And then we see the serpent in verse 13, and that's the, the voice of the, the, the serpent that's being referenced here is really kind of a flashback to the Garden of Eden when God said to the serpent in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You see, in the garden, immediately after the fall, God told Satan, the serpent, I am sending my son, and he's coming as an offspring of the woman. I will allow you to bruise my son, Jesus' heel, by letting Jesus be crucified on the cross. But God was making it very clear to Satan at that point, right there in the garden, when he says, but when he hangs there on the cross, he will be hanging there amidst all the danger of the world. 
He's going to be bearing all the sin of the world, all the fear, all the shame, all the guilt of this world. And when he, when he is hung on that cross serpent, when that, God was making it so clear to that serpent, he's saying, when Jesus hangs there on the cross, he will crush your head, Satan, by conquering death, sin, and he will rise again on the third day. So Satan, get it clear. Jesus will trample you underfoot, and he won't even look back. That's the good news, my friends, of what Jesus has done. It's what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah, Satan bruised his heel, but Jesus crushed his head on the cross for you and for me. Now, why did God send Jesus? To bear the sins of the world? My friends, it isn't to keep us from, from the dangers of this world. He did it because of love. I love that we sang, my Jesus, I love thee. And I love that we sang, Lord, I need you. Those, there's, a, there's a lyric in there that's, that's a quote from 1 John 4.19 that says this, We love because he first loved us. This is why God sent Jesus to the cross. This is why God sent Jesus into such an incredibly dangerous situation. He did it for you and for me. He did it because of love. And as a response of his love, we respond by loving him faithfully. Look with me at verses 14 through 16. It says, because he holds fast to me in love, speaking about the believer in Jesus Christ, because we hold fast to him in love, listen to God's promises here in these final verses. It says, I, this is God speaking here, I will deliver him. I will protect him. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him. I will satisfy him. I will show him my salvation. Notice that God is not saying these promises to everyone. He is saying these promises to those who, verse 14, hold fast to him in love. Verse 14, to those who know his name. Verse 15, to those who call on him in prayer. My friends, this is only done by those who have a personal relationship with God the Father by faith in Jesus Christ alone. The good news today is that God's I will promises that we see here in verses 14 through 16 are still available for all today who repent of their sin and believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It doesn't matter, my friends, if, if you're here today and you have done some epic sin in your own eyes. It doesn't matter. I want you to know it doesn't matter what that sin has been in your life. It doesn't matter what you've sinned, done, what doesn't matter how you've sinned. God invites all to repent of their sin 
to believe by faith in Jesus for eternal life. He invites you, even right where you're sitting this morning, He invites you to place your faith for your salvation in Jesus Christ alone. And then these promises are ours and yours to grab. You will hold fast to Him in love. You will be able to know Him personally with a personal relationship. You will be able to call to Him like you may call to Him right now where you're at this morning. This morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you place your faith in Him for your eternal salvation? Notice, my friends, for all of us, it isn't that we're going to be saved from any type of danger or all type of danger. Very clearly, the psalmist was in danger and understood and experienced danger in his life. But what's so beautiful that no matter what the dangers are that comes our way, as it did for the psalmist, we can have confidence because of our faith in God, because of our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can have confidence to call out to his name knowing that he will save us by our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then in turn, we all get to say and declare with incredible confidence what verses 1 and 2 say, like the psalmist said. He said, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty i will say to the lord my refuge my fortress my god in whom i trust it's my prayer for all of us this morning that everyone who is seeing this today could declare with confidence god is my refuge and my strength in whom i trust now with that today, my friends, we're going to conclude our service here in just a few moments with a time of reflection, a time of preparation also, and a time of celebration. It's a time for God's people. We've been waiting for this for a number of weeks, and it's so good to be able to do the Lord's Supper together with you. Certainly, I personally wish we could be doing it together where we could have our, have our deacons handing out the communion elements one by one to each of us. But recognizing this morning, uh, because of our isolation due to this virus, we are not able to gather here today in, in this building, but we know that in spirit we are gathered together in each of our homes in this unique time. We invite you uh, in the minutes that follow to get your communion elements. Parents, would you certainly supervise your children accordingly? And it's a time for all who profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior to come before the Lord's table, to recognize the bread and the cup, the instruction that Jesus gave his disciples. That as often as we are together, that we ought to take the Lord's Supper together. And so this morning, I'm going to just uh, turn it over here in a moment um, for a time of reflection. I'm going to turn it over to Jordan uh, for him to lead us and he and his family in a time of reflection. As they sing this song, I invite you to go to a time of prayer and preparation with the elements. And I will, and I will invite you to hold those elements and we will partake together after this closing song in just a moment. Let's, get our, let's go before the Lord now.
Jordan. Jesus uh, gave instruction to his disciples on the night before he was betrayed. And he told them about the bread and the cup. And I, I reflected on that this, this week. I thought back to John's gospel, John chapter 6, when Jesus was giving instruction to his disciples. Before that day, he said this. He says, truly, truly. So he's trying to get their attention. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. 
Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one can eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. My friends, as we take the bread this morning together, let us remember Jesus is the bread of life. He is the eternal life. And it is found in Jesus alone. Let us partake together. Father, we give you praise that we can gather in this way this morning, recognizing the body of Jesus that was broken for us. Lord, that he gave his flesh on the cross. To get, he, he bore our sins. He bore our shame. He bore our fear. He bore our guilt. He took it all on the cross. Lord, we thank you for sending him to be our perfect sacrifice. Lord, we pray, Lord, now as we partake of the bread, Lord, we love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. In the same way he took the cup. And in John 6, Jesus continued in his instruction. He said, so he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. What a wonderful promise to abide faithfully with him. Let us partake together. Father, again, we thank you for the promise that is found in no other name. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we continue to journey together, Lord, we are not alone. We may be literally alone in some of our homes, Lord, in many of our homes, Lord, but we have you. We don't have to worry about the dangers. We don't have to worry about the things that may come our way, Lord, because in you, we call on your name. You've promised to guide us, to protect us, Lord. Your promises are real. And Lord, that you have called us to become confident in you. Lord, stating with confidence, Lord, that you are our God. You are our refuge. You are our strength. You are our fortress. May we cling faithfully to those words. May we meditate on those words day and night. Father, we love you and we thank you for meeting with us this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As far as our benediction this morning, uh, my favorite benediction I want to close us with again. It comes from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 25. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you 
peace now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Timberline, I love you. Uh, can't wait to see you again very soon. Uh, we trust sometime very soon. Uh, today for Community Connection, just a reminder, parents, you're welcome to, to, to skip right over there, Quest Kid parents. You're welcome to skip on over to the Zoom link. And so your kids can have a time of Quest Kid Connection. We're going to try that this morning and see how that goes. And uh, we, if it goes well, we may do that periodically um, on Sundays or after the service uh, uh, week by week or every other week or something like that. So anyway, parents, uh, if you want your kids to connect on Quest Kids, we invite you to go on over there. They'll have some fun and some learning. And uh, I love you guys. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to call uh, any of the elders, myself, any of the staff. We're here to serve you. Love you guys. Have a great week. See you Tuesday night for prayer time. God bless. Bye-bye.